Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 55 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. This week, I'm on my own. I had to surprise me again and left it down to me. It's a shame, really, because I had a few things planned on this show. I wanted to have a bit of a discussion, a little bit of a segment where we're just going to discuss some of the topics in world boxing right now. Uh, Those things that I wanted to discuss were Adrian Broner and his situation where he um, you know, he said he was basically going to take his own life. And then he posted a picture of a gun that he supposedly was going to do it with. He said he was going to do it at 3 p.m. Uh, certain on a certain day. And um, it ended up not happening at all. So uh, I'm not sure if he's going through some issues, but it seems like he's very depressed. The same sort of thing as Tyson Fury. So as I've got no one to discuss it with here, I just want to go into it as a little bit of a nutshell, just sort of deliver it in a nutshell for all the listeners, my opinion anyway. It'd be great to hear from some of you. You know where to go if you want to get involved in the conversation. Adrian Broner, um, you know, he's someone that's very, very hard to like in the boxing world. He's got, he's done a lot of uh, silly antics, just like Fury has as well, to be honest. But um, Adrian Broner, you know, very, very little people like him or support him. And, um, you know, I don't know if he's maybe been wound up a little bit too far, maybe pushed a little bit too far. But Adrian Broner seems to be under some tough times. And I don't wish that on any boxer whatsoever. And um, I hope that he can get back really to to his best, you know, because he is a superb fighter. There's there's no two ways about it. Um, to to achieve what he's achieved within like 30 fights is just absolutely incredible. So, um, you know, let's have it right. He hasn't been in there with the hardest of opponents. And when he has, he's ended up losing, but he has done what he's done. And there's no, there's no, you know, there's no argument with that. He is a multi-weight world champion. So good on Adrian Broner. As for Tyson Fury, it came out last week that he um, has decided to relinquish the WBA and WBO titles. So that was a bit of a surprise. I really couldn't believe that. And I will echo what David Hay said. David Hay said some very, very nice things in an interview um, that I listened to. And he basically said, you know, this was going to be Tyson Fury's biggest payday of his whole career. And I've spoke to a lot of people. And a lot of people say, listen, you know, he could have took this fight, Tyson Fury, the rematch with Vladimir Klitschko. He could have took this fight and he could have just, just gone down as soon as he got hit. And, you know, took a dive and he would have still earned five, six million pound. Okay, so it was by far the biggest payday of his career set to happen. And it just goes to show how serious this this um, this depression must have hit him, how much it took a toll on him for him to decide that, you know, his depression is more of a priority than getting that big of a payday. So that goes to show how bad this really is. So for those that are trying to make fun of the whole situation, you know, I'm not in support of that whatsoever. I'm a huge fan of Tyson Fury, as I've expressed before, and I think we should all give him a bit, a bit of time. But I tell you what, 
because he went he went over to Germany and did the impossible and beat Vladimir Klitschko like he did and took his titles, a lot of fighters now find themselves in positions where they're going to be fighting for vacant titles and they're no way worthy of becoming world champion. And I believe every single one of them has to thank Tyson Fury for that because even Joshua, you know, like I've said before, I'm not a hater of Joshua, but the way he won the title was, um, it was thanks to Tyson Fury. You know, Tyson Fury went and took that title from Klitschko, the IBF, forced Tyson Fury into a thing where he had to defend his title within so many days or they would strip him. And of course, he was contracted to have a rematch with Klitschko and they took the title, made it vacant. Charles Martin fought for it against um, Glaskov and Glaskov obviously injured his leg and the fight was stopped. He was winning at the time, but um, because he couldn't continue... Charles Martin become the champion. Then he comes over to England and he gets just pasted. And I really like Charles Martin, by the way. He is, um, he's a nice guy, you know. So it's a real shame um, what happened. I mean, like I say, a lot of these guys will now be fighting for vacant titles. You can see that they're already talking about Joseph Parker and Andy Ruiz Jr., both fighting for a vacant title. I know that uh, Joseph Parker's a good fighter. Again, another friend of the show. He's a good fighter. Maybe he deserves to get his shot. But as for Andy Ruiz Jr., he really hasn't fought anybody. You know, I've said this a million times on this show now. I'm a big fan of his. He's really skillful and stuff. But we haven't seen him in there against a top opponent. We haven't. And I really want to see that. And there's a lot of guys who have just been fighting uh, you know, as they say, tomato cans in America. Um, there's a lot of guys that have been fighting opponents like that and they're not getting their shots. So I'm a bit disappointed with the whole thing, but I think there's going to be a lot of um, titles changing hands very quickly. But I really hope, above all, that Tyson Fury can get it all together and come back and, of course, take back what's his, rightly so. So um, all the best for Tyson Fury. Now, as for... The the other couple of bits I wanted to talk about, Joshua against Klitschko. Again, this is a fight I just cannot see happening in the remainder of this year because I think it's a fight that Sky will want to build because, you know, they really like to, um, you know, they like to maximize their earnings, which nobody's got any problems with that really and truly. It's the way of business. Um, they would like to do these shows where they do the face-off shows. They would like to just, you know, do all these little things behind the ropes, Klitschko, behind the ropes, Joshua. They want to really, really build that fight and turn it into a proper, proper pay-per-view event where it's going to be able to earn them a lot, a lot of money. And I don't think they've got enough time to do it from now, between now and December the 10th, which is the date that they're talking about. They originally were talking about November 26th. Also, David Hay is scheduled to fight on December 10th. So it's all a bit up in the air at the moment. Nobody's quite sure what's going to happen. This show was recorded on the 20th, or I should say is being recorded on the 20th of October. So it's now Thursday. So today is set to be the day where David Hay announces his next opponent. Whether or not he'll stick to that date is another thing. But unfortunately, this show was done before any announcements. I'm not sure who he will be fighting. I'm not aware of that right now. The only piece of news I have got is it's come out today that Carl Frampton will be fighting Leo Santa Cruz in a rematch where Leo Santa Cruz will look to win his title back. So uh, that was a cracking fight the first time round, and I'm sure the second time round will be a good fight as well. So back to what I was just saying there about Joshua Klitschko. 
it's a fight I cannot see happening, even though we've heard a lot of talk about it. And I really hope I'm wrong, by the way. You know, I'm not claiming that I'm some sort of wizard who gets it right every time, but uh, that would be a real, real good fight. And if anybody's asking my opinion, I've got to give it to Klitschko simply because we've seen Klitschko, what he can do to these fighters uh, time and time and time and time again. And Joshua, you know, he's not he's not fought anybody remotely near Klitschko's level at all and until we do that I can't I can't favor him in this fight but I hope he gets the job done of course I'm backing I'm backing Joshua he's a Brit you know I'm, I'm backing him over a Ukrainian over um you know any 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 other heavyweight out there from a different country I'm gonna back my own you know so all the best to Joshua if that does happen but his opponent's set to be announced very soon and I cannot wait for that so not too much to say on the whole Joshua Klitschko thing David Hay as well it'll be interesting to see who he fights apparently it's going to be a big name that everybody's heard of so I'm excited for that and just a quick note on Tony Bellew against David Hay Um, we're going to talk about Bellew's fight very very shortly about his win last week and um, basically David Hay you know he gave David Hay some after the fight he leaned out the ring. He, well, he jumped out the ring at one point. It looked like he tried to scissor kick David Hay. And um, it all got a little bit out of hand. But Tony Bellew, you know, he expresses that he wants to fight David Hay. That is a fight, by the way, that I really do not see happening. Especially, um, everybody knows it would have to happen at heavyweight. Now, Tony Bellew's just moved up to cruiserweight from light heavyweight. You know, it's he, he would have to, there would be such a weight advantage to David Hay. I already favor David Hay in that fight. David Hay actually made points where he said, listen, I'm the faster guy. I've got the better chin. I've got the harder punch. You know, I'm quicker. Uh, my lateral movement's better. You know, my defense is better. My my timing's much better. And I really can't disagree with anything. He tried to basically say everything about me is better than Tony Bellew. And, um, you know, listen, I'm a huge fan of, of Tony Bellew. We had his trainer on the show last week. I'm a big, big fan of, of uh, Tony Bellew. But I I can't really disagree with what Hay's saying. I think that he's a, he's, um, I think that Hay would win that fight is what I'm trying to say. And especially if it's up a heavyweight where David Hay's coming in at like, I believe, around about 230 in his heavyweight fights of late. And, um, you know, Tony Bellew having to come underneath the 200 mark to make cruiserweight. I think that if he was to, um, you know, to, to come into this fight, he would have to put on a lot of weight or there would be a massive gap in in the weight, which, of course, would favor David Hay. A lot of people are trying to bash David Hay for saying this. They're like, listen, why are you trying to get a big weight advantage? But then people are being reminded that David Hay took on Nikolai Valuev, where the weight difference was just astronomical to be honest so um it's it that's a that's a fight that to be honest i don't see happening because bell you would have to move up it wouldn't be for any world title and i'm not sure well i think they'd be able to sell it quite well to be honest but i just don't see i mean we'll see a lot of people criticize david hay for only being about the money this is a bit of a money fight it's definitely there's no achievement in it I think everybody believes that Hay would win. It's not going to be for any kind of title. David Hay is talking about he just wants to become world champion in the quickest way. And I, I believe him when he says that. But if he decides to step away from that and take on Tony Bellew, which will be for no title, it will be a bit of a shame. But um, 
listen, I'm happy either way. You know, I watched that fight, of course I will. But I'm going to leave that there. That's all the news. That's all the gossip. It's a shame Ayaz wasn't here to debate with me. But we're going to move in to part one. We're going to keep it usual as we always do. Keep it the way it is. We're going to talk about the review part of the show where we review the fights that happened last week. We're going to start with a card that happened over in Australia. Top of the bill, Daniel Gill, former world champion, going into this bout with a record of 31 wins and four losses. He took on Reynold Quinn who had a record of 10 wins and one loss. Now, this was a fight where two men were kind of at different points of their career. Uh, Daniel Gill, maybe towards the end, and Reynold Quinlan coming up, you know, a record of 10 and one. Hasn't been a pro for very long. And Daniel Gill actually got stopped. He got knocked out in round two. And this was for the IBO World Middleweight title, which is a belt not really considered as a you know top belt or anything like that. So Reynold Quinlan now becomes the new IBO World Champion, and Daniel Gill really looking like he should retire. I think that he maybe said he was going to retire. I'm not sure if that was a final decision or not, but you know this is a man in Reynold Quinlan that I think that Daniel Gill could have done the business on a long time ago, and he was certainly the favourite in this fight. But it just goes to show in boxing anything can happen one punch can change a fight and um, a real good win there for Reynold Quinlan and I wish him all the best for the future but Daniel Gill really has to go back to the drawing board and you know look at the plus side and um, and decide to, to to make a decision and we'll see what he does but I wish him all the best he's a nice guy you can tell that I've never actually spoke to him or met him but you can tell he's a he's a nice genuine fella so I wish him all the best we're now going to go over to Philadelphia top of the bill over there a man that's been on our show previously Mike Reed 19-0 and going into his bout he extended his win streak to 20-0 and with a TKO win in the sixth round over Aaron Herrera who had a decent record I actually thought it was going to be a decent little scrap this one, but no, it was completely one-sided, and Mike Reed got the job done, so I'm really, really pleased for him. Also on that bill, we had him on our show last week, Tevin Farmer. He was previewing his fight. He moved to 23 wins now. He's got the four losses that happened early and the one draw. It was a unanimous decision win after eight rounds. Again, he had a decent opponent in front of him, and he made him look silly in parts of that fight. I've seen a couple of little highlights, and I tell you what, Tevin Farmer like I say, go on YouTube, type him in. He really is a real exciting fighter to watch. He's fantastic with his defense at the moment. Defense? Defense, I should be saying. We're not from America. But that's really it for America. We're now going to go over to a card that happened in Hamburg, Germany. A couple of upsets on this bill. Top of the bill, Erkan Tepper, 16-0. and 0. You know, he's been caught out for... Um, having illegal substances in his system when he took on David Price. It's remarkable that he's back in the sport with, I believe, no ban. I don't think he had a, a ban or anything. If he did, it was only for a few months. He got in there against Christian Hammer, who we've seen Tyson Fury absolutely play with a while ago over on our shores. And um, Tepper, as I said, 16-0. and 0. Hammer, 19-4. and 4. He was definitely in there to lose Hammer. And like I said, it was over in Germany. It was over in Tepper's backyard. And Hammer picked up the win by a split decision, which is um, really quite incredible. I haven't seen the scorecards. I wonder if two of them were in, you know, for the for the for the right fighter in Hammer, and one of them was just one of those dodgy scorecards that we talk about that happen over in Germany. I'm not sure. I haven't even seen the fight. I've got to be honest. But Tepper gets his first career loss 
which a lot of people probably think is overdue, but I'm really shocked by that result. And Christian Hammer now, all the best for him. His new record, 20 wins, four losses, and he's now the new WBO European heavyweight champion. So all the best to him. Also on that bill, Friends Real, who had a record of 13 wins and one loss. A good fighter as well, that one loss to a credible, credible opponent. He fought on the card, and he put his IBF international heavyweight title on the line against Adrian Granite, someone who's coming up with a record of 13-0 and and 12 of those wins by knockout. And I tell you what, he knocked Franz Real out here. So Franz Real now 13 wins and two losses. It's not looking good for him. And Adrian Granite 14-0 and with 13 knockouts, and he's now the new IBF international heavyweight champion. So all the best to Adrian Granite. He ser- seriously seems like a threat that's coming up in the heavyweight division, which is always good. So eyes peeled on him now, and we're going to be listening out for what's next from him. Now I'm going to talk about one fight that happened over in Spain. Ruben Nieto, former opponent of Lenny Dawes, he got a draw on this bill, a draw after 12 rounds on points, and it was for the vacant IBF Intercontinental Super Lightweight title. He fought his opponent Ernesto Espana, who was 19-0, and Ruben Nieto was 18-1, and and the title remains vacant because it was a draw. So, um, Interesting little result from Spain there. We're now going to return to the UK in the biggest bill of last week, to be honest. Top of the bill, Tony Bellew, 27 wins, two losses and one draw going into his bout against BJ Flores, 32-2 and two with the one draw. This was for Bellew's WBC World Cruiserweight title, of course. Um, Tony Bellew was really quite impressive in parts of this fight. He kind of came there to give it a bit of a tear-up. I know that BJ Flores was really quite tight at the weight, which gave Tony Bellew the impression that uh, Flores was going to come and really try and put it on him quite early. I believe Tony Bellew, it was a bit of a slugfest in the second round. Um, Flores was down three times in the second round. I've got to be completely honest here. Um, Flores was hit with a a really low blow, which the referee didn't see. And he kind of turned around to the ref like, what the hell is that about? You know, are you going to tell him off or what? And then when he turned back around, uh, Bellew just jumped on him. And it was a bit, it was a bit um, inexperienced kind of showed a little bit there. Cause you know, you got to play to the referee, but I, I quite understand him. I really do. And um, as he's turned around to complain, when he's turned back round, he's just walked straight into about three or four punches from Tony Bellew, not all landing clean. And then he went down. And then from there, he got back up. He was up for a little bit. Then he got knocked down again. Then he got back up. He was up for a little bit. Then he got knocked down again. And I'm not sure he ever recovered from the first knockdown. That's what I initially thought. But when I looked back at it, it seemed like he went down very easy in the first one. And um, Johnny Nelson afterwards, it was quite interesting to see him really criticising and, and I've got to agree, he said that he thought that BJ Flores kind of took a dive on that first knockdown. And I've got to say, I kind of thought the same thing after watching the replay. He, he just seemed to throw himself on the floor. And that is really, um, I mean, what, what's, what's all that about? I don't know. Um, he came out in the third. And of course, Tony, uh, in his own words, I think he'd say he iced him in the third. You know, he, he got a good knockout in the end. And Flores, he wasn't, he wasn't completely out cold or anything, but he couldn't get back up at the count of 10 so uh, Tony Bellew ended up winning the fight and it was a good win for him I guess on paper it really was he didn't really show much defense as I say it was very much a bit of a slugfest in that second round both men throwing big big punches Tony Bellew took a few he gave it to David Hay after the fight he was 
looking at David Hay and saying you're next every time you knock down Flores because it's famous that uh, Flores and David Hay are really good buddies. And as I say, Tony Bellew, a good win for him. And he cruises now to 28 wins. Of course, he's got the two losses and the one draw. He retains his WBC world title. So it'd be good to see what's next for him. But I don't advise a David Hay fight. Um, Also on that undercard, Luke Campbell, 14-1, 14-1, and one, he got a shot against Derry Matthews. I should say it the other way around, really. Derry Matthews got a shot at Luke Campbell. Derry Matthews, as I say, he's been around forever. Uh, this was for the WBC Silver Lightweight title and the Commonwealth Lightweight title. Luke Campbell here, again, he's at a different part of his career, different stage of his career than uh, Derry Matthews. Derry Matthews kind of towards the end of the line. And Luke Campbell, he's just coming up. He's got that one loss, which really, um, really stagnated things for a while, to be honest. And he's really looking to try and get back to winning ways and get some impressive wins. And I think this was an impressive win. I really do. Um, as I say, Luke Campbell... He managed to get the KO in round four. Matthews was down late in the third round and twice in the fourth. And, you know, I don't really want to talk so highly of this win because I think Derry Matthews is really and truly finished. I think he's he's still a little bit dangerous for some of the inexperienced fighters, which was the only thing that was a little bit exciting about this bout I think that Luke Campbell where he's clinically really 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 good you know technically a fantastic fighter very skillful and um, he just put on a bit of a show to be honest Luke Campbell I knew that the right Luke Campbell would be able to win this fight pretty easy but also on that bill Ryan Burnett he picked up a win he moved to 15 and 0 a win over Ryan Farag which uh, Ryan Burnett I think looked pretty good in again a couple of um, performances that he hasn't looked fantastic in he's always got the job done in the end but he retains his British bantamweight title so good stuff there for Ryan Burnett also on the bill Sean Dodd a really really close fight one that I think he was a tiny bit fortunate to win he moved to 12 wins he's of course got two losses and the one draw and he retained the WBC international lightweight title his opponent Francesco Patera I did say it was going to be a really tough fight I actually favored Patera I think a few people had him up as well so uh, as I say Sean Masha Doddy deserves a bit of luck to be honest and I think he got some in that decision so a uh, split decision win after 10 rounds in his favor also on the bill Tom Farrell moved to 10 and 0 and he picked up the WBA International Super Lightweight title. It was a majority decision after 10 rounds. Rocky Fielding, he moved to 23 wins. He's, of course, got that one loss to Callum Smith. He picked up a TKO win in round two. His opponent was down once in the first round and once in the second round. He made easy and quick work of him. And, of course, um, he, you know, his, 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 his girlfriend was in labor through the whole fight. He just wanted to quickly get straight back down the hospital I believe so um, all the best there for Rocky Fielding I wish him all the best not just with his boxing but with his family life as well great great times for him Uh, but that was really it for that card to be honest that was really it for the Echo Arena there was a few other prospects on the bill that um, that got wins so it was all in all a a success of a card everybody who was supposed to win ended up winning which is always good now there's one last fight that I've got to mention before we wrap up the review segment and that is a loss unfortunately it's a loss for Scotland's Stephen Simmons he got in there in Germany against Noel Gever, who was 21 and 0, it was always going to be a fight where um, Stephen Simmons was up against it. And I've got to say so, it was for the WBO International Cruiserweight 
title and Noel Giver, his opponent, who, to be honest, I didn't know much about, ended up getting a split decision win after 12 rounds. And as we say before, a split decision win over in Germany means it was, it was you probably won the fight, to be honest. But I've got to say, I haven't watched it, but I know that Stephen Simmons was really, really disappointed after the fight and I think that he felt he won so uh, you know I don't know what's going to happen there but at the end of the day on paper now he gets the win Noel Gevin he moves to 22 and 0 and he is someone I think that we're going to see in big fights in the future but that's really it for the reviewing on this week's show that's all I've got from last week all the reviewing of course we're going to talk about the previewing in part two which will follow very very shortly as I said there's not news this week because Ayaz isn't with me there was one piece of news that I brought you, which is that Carl Frampton will be giving Leo Santa Cruz a rematch. And that is going to be a great fight, I believe, in the return. The first fight was a great, great fight. So the second one, I'm sure, will be just as good. But that's really it, as I say, for the reviewing. That's it for the news. That's it for the little debate I had with myself. I hope you enjoyed that, by the way. Now, the final thing that we have to do before we close part one, of course, is to welcome our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former British super welterweight champion and former WBO world title challenger, Brian the Lion Rose. Brian, welcome to the show. That was a great start, that, mate. Brilliant. <laughs> you like that one? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, it's good to be on, mate. Um, we've been meaning to do this for a while. Um, glad to be on. Yeah, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. Now, Brian, firstly, you're fighting on Saturday against Stylian Kostov, a man with a record of 20 and 6. 16 of those wins coming by knockout, so he's a bit of a banger. Do you know much about him at all, Brian? I don't know. Um, it's, it's the usual thing, isn't it? You, you know, you get a Bulgarian or you get a foreigner. Um, you don't know much about them. They can either be really good or they can be um, not so good. Um I'm hoping he's not so good. <laughs> but uh, to be honest, I got I got three or four opponents thrown at me, and uh, they were a little bit um, inexperienced. And I don't think I don't think I'd have been took serious if I'd have took them sort of fights. So um, I wanted someone to ease back in, but get back to winning ways. And I think fighting this guy is a perfect opportunity to test myself. Um, but at the same time, get back to winning ways. Yeah, of course, of course. He's only been a pro um, five and a half years, this guy. he's basically He basically fights about five times a year. He got stopped in three by Adam Etches, but that was only his fourth pro fight. So that's really the, the, the only thing I can tell you about him. Um, I want to go back to April of this year. Now, you lost a very close fight to Matthew Macklin. Did you feel that you won that one, or do you think the right man got it, Bram? Um at the time, I was I was a bit gutted, you know. Looking back at it, um, you know, I thought he, I thought I'd nicked it, um, but there was no complaints. I think when fights are that close um, and you, you can't tell who's won the fight, I don't think any any of the opponents can, can complain because it's whatever the judges like, and the judges must have liked his aggression. You know, he's um, he, he's come forward type of, of boxing, whereas um, I felt I was a little bit cleaner. Um, but it's just one of them things, you know. It's it's what people think, and there was no there was no moaning about it afterwards. I've not I've not complained once about it. So uh, if the judges say he won the fight, then then it was the right decision because it was a very close fight. And plus, he's my manager now, so I can't say too much about it. 
<laughs> and um, you know, of course, he subsequently retired, which which really ruled out any potential rematch a chance for you to avenge that defeat on paper. Like I said, it was very very close. Did it annoy you at all when he retired? Um, no, not at all. I, you know, I, I went over to Marbella and I sat with him a week after, and he, he said he thought he was going to retire. Um, things happen, things change. You know, I, I take it fight by fight now m- myself. You know, I, I'm not going to say if I. I always say, forget Pete, I'm going to retire, <laughs> and I've been beat and not retired. So I, I'm kind of sick of saying that. So I'm going to take it fight by fight and see where where that takes me. Um, I was. I wasn't surprised when Macklin retired because I felt he was tiring in the, the fifth and sixth round, and then he found some at the last two rounds, um, and it was his last, obviously his last hooray. You know, he, he thought this is my last fight, I'm going to give it my all, and that, that for me, um, I, I really appreciated that so much because he did give it one last shot, and it probably what won in the fight the last two rounds. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a good spectacle anyway. I was uh, I was in the arena for that one, but um, we'll leave that one there. Now I know that you've been at super welterweight slash light middleweight for basically your whole career, but at this present time within your promotional stable, there really aren't many options for you in terms of opponents. The other top 154 pounders in Britain are the likes of Amir Khan if he's going to be fighting at that weight. Then he's obviously followed by the likes of Liam Smith, Liam Williams, Ahmed Patterson, Gary Corcoran, etc., which are all with Frank Warren. We've seen fights get made between Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren lately, but it's been you know very few and far between. Do you see yourself taking on one of those men or do you see yourself above that level? Maybe looking at opponents more more on the sort of European fringe world level kind of position. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not I'm not going to disrespect them sort of fighters because Liam Williams no, is a course. very, very good fighter and he's, he's yeah. very dangerous. Um, but I was winning British titles four or five years ago and it's not something that I'd want to go back to. Um, yeah. So if I can still win the Intercontinental titles, stepping on to fighting for a European, and then hopefully get one last shot at a world title. That's what I want. You know, whether I win it or not, you know, I'm a realist. Um, I think on the right night against the right opponent, a bit like Liam Smith did, um, I can win a world title. But against the likes of Dimitri Sandrade, I'm not going to win a world title because they are special fighters. And I understand that. Uh, I think I'm beyond British level. Um, and I wouldn't like to to take that risk fighting someone that has won a British title on the verge of winning a British title because I've got nothing to gain and they've got everything to gain um, beating some of the likes of me without being big-headed. Yeah, no, I understand that completely. I was going to ask you what is the plan without overlooking your opponent on Saturday, of course. I know you wouldn't do that. Will this be your last outing of the calendar year? Possibly, possibly not. You know, I'd love to get on the Joshua card and I'd be willing to have a, a proper fight on that. You know, I, I will, honestly, after this fight, I will fight anyone as long as the money's right and as long as uh, it makes sense, then I'll fight anyone. You know, I want to fight the best. Amir Khan's number one at my weight. He's looking for a way back. So why not fight someone like me to, to see what he's got left, you know, um, and see what I've got left. Liam Smith, you know, um, he's number two at my weight. He, he, you know, he wanted to fight me when I was British champion. And then he went on to win a world title, which I tried to do, but didn't succeed. Um, Them fights make sense, and I'm sure the British public would love to see them sort of fights. Yeah, no, no, I agree totally. I mean, you know, comparing you and Liam Smith, he obviously got a bit of a lucky break for his for his chance at a title. You know, you was very much um, in a much harder position. Um, 
I want to go back to that fight that you mentioned there against Demetrius um, on Andrade. I think it said um, you yeah. fought him for his WBO world title. What impressed you most about him? Cause he only managed to defend his world title once, which was obviously against you before running into some outside of the ring issues. And obviously he's now put all that behind him. He's back on the hunt for another world title, which he actually fights for in a couple of weeks time, but he's someone I really, really rate as a top fighter. So yeah, what impressed you the most about him and what did you learn from that loss, Brian? Um, I mean, they said it all when I was in the change rooms. I was in Barclays Centre, you know, it was a massive occasion. And I think there was facts, there was facts coming up on the screen and uh, about us. And mine was, did you know Brian Rose was originally from Birmingham? And his was, did you know Demetrius Andrews was world amateur champion? You know, so <laughs> there was a slight, a slight comparison in what we'd achieved before that world title fight. And, I went in there believing that I could really push him to the wire late on, you know, getting tired. Um, that's the way, you know, I grind people down. And there was just none of that. You know, his, his speed, um, his, his elusiveness, his accuracy surprised me, you know. It was like it was like standing at your front door and every time you open your front door, someone throws a snowball at you. Every time I threw a punch, I seemed to get hit. Um, so that's when I stopped throwing because I didn't want to get hit anymore. Um, so... And that's me being brutally honest about myself. He was just a better fighter. And um, I really believe he'll go on to great things if he's active. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And as you'll know, you know, the, the, the super worldweight division is one of the most talent-packed divisions in boxing. Now, it really is. If I were to throw a couple of names at you, do you reckon you could tell me, in your opinion, on the world level, like the top three, top four, top five, something like that, if I was to throw a few names at you? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm no anorak, but I'm sure if you throw the names at me, I'll be able to. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, you've got Lara, you've got Canelo, you've got the two Charlo brothers, Jamel and Jamal, and uh, we got our very own Liam Smith. Of course, you got Andrade, Cotto, and Austin Trout. How would you see yeah. those? It's so many real talented, talented names in that bunch there. Yeah, I mean, I, I put personally, I put Andrade and Canelo top. Um, and then I think Lara's a special fighter. Um, I think the Charlo brothers are beatable, um, definitely. And Liam Smith, that fight makes sense to me now. You know, um, at, at times in our career, uh, it never made sense. You know, when I was going on to world level, he was winning a British title but wanted to fight with me. And then when he was world champion, I was looking at him, probably envied him a little bit, thinking, you know, that, that could have been me. So... That fight makes sense now, and and Liam Smith's a really, you know, a special fighter. He's a really good fighter because he's been a world champion. He defended it and lost to a special fighter in Canelo. So, um, it, like you say, it's a it's a packed weight division. Um, but I think the Charlo brothers are beatable. Uh, they're really good fighters, uh, but I think they're definitely there for the taking. And this Liam Smith fight that uh, I, I haven't really seen, you mentioned before, because as you say, you were both kind of at different points of your career. Now you kind of see it that you're both in a similar sort of position. You say that, you know, you're fighting on the weekend, of course. You say that you'd like a, a big fight to, to be on that Joshua Bill. When would you realistically be ready for Liam Smith? Would it be, it'd be too soon for the Joshua Bill, I take it? Would it be sometime in 2017? Um, I, I, honestly, I, I will fight. I will stay in the gym and I'll fight whoever in in December or I'll fight in the new year, a big fight. You know, I just want to, I don't want to mess around seeing what I've got left, you know, for six months. I'm in six and eight rounders. 
Um, I honestly want to get this one out of the way on Saturday. Um, not looking past it, but get this one out of the way and just test myself against the best and see what I've got left. And if it haven't, I'll, I'll call it a day, hang my gloves up. But if it have, I'll go on and I'll fight for a world title. I just, um, like I say, I'm a realist and I know, I know what I want. I know what I'm capable of. I still feel like I've got so much more to give my sport. Um, I've got, when I'm in the gym, I feel like a young kid again because I'm injury free. So, you know, I can only prove that by doing that in the ring. Yeah, of course, of course. And lastly, Brian, top of the bill that you're fighting on, on Saturday, it's a real battle of the Brummies, Sam Eggington against Frankie Gavin. Do you have a, 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 any kind of opinion on that fight at all? Well, I've got to go with my, my boy Frankie because uh, I was in the amateurs with him for so many years. I was good pals with him. Um, I speak to him quite regular. And he's world amateur champion, you know. He, he, he's, a, he's a talented fighter, and I think if his mind's right, and he gets he gets it right. He can he can beat most people in that weight weight division. Um, it's just about mentally whether Eggington's got in his head. Eggington's a really good fighter. He's big for the weight. Um, he won't give up. There's, I don't think Frankie will stop him if he, when he wins. I think it'll be on points. Um, so I think Eggington's got a chance, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna side towards Frankie because. One, I like him, he's my friend. And uh, two, I just think um, his pedigree is too, too much for Eggington. Yeah, I completely agree with that, to be honest. OK, Brian, finally, is there anything that you'd like to tell any of the listeners before we let you go or any, any sponsors you may want to thank or just anyone in general? Yeah, I want, I want to thank uh, all my sponsors on board, um, Intense Menswear, um, I can't remember them all, uh, <laughs> Newmark Engineering, um I box customized, uh, loot back house, uh, too many to name. But I want to thank all my sponsors, all the people in Birmingham that are coming out to support me. I'm from Birmingham originally, um, so it'll be good if everyone gets behind me. And uh, it's it's great to be on the show. I really appreciate you ringing me tonight and letting me talk to you. The pleasure has been mine, it really has. I really appreciate you giving us a bit of time this week, Brian. I wish you all the best of luck for Saturday night, and we'll speak again soon. Thanks very much, mate, and I'll uh, speak to you after I've won on Saturday. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part where we preview the fights that are coming up this week. Now, tomorrow taking place over in um, over in Scotland in Edinburgh. Top of the bill, Josh Taylor, 6-0. He fights Dave Ryan, 17-9. But we know Dave Ryan comes to fight every single time. It's for the vacant Commonwealth super lightweight title. So all the best to both men. May the best man win. Also on that Bill, I will say Gary Cornish, his opponent yet to be announced, but his record 23 and 1 is for the vacant Commonwealth heavyweight title. So, all the best to Gary Cornish. He took a bit of a hide in from Anthony Joshua in their fight, which didn't last very long, and uh, he's looking to get back to winning ways, of course. And also on that bill, Andrew Selby, he looks to pick up his sixth career win. It's incredible what he's done just inside five fights, and he takes on Felix Moncada, who has a record of nine wins, five losses and the one draw. I know that uh, he was going to face another guy 
and I'm not sure what's happened there, but the other guy he was going to face, his middle name was Elizabeth. Uh, so it's good to see that Elizabeth's not fighting, and it is, in fact, Felix Moncada. But that's really it for Scotland. We're now going to go over to Canada. Top of the bill over here, David Lemieux, 35 and 3. He takes on Christian Fabian Rios, who has a record of 21 wins, 7 losses, and 3 draws. He's never been stopped, but he was outpointed every single round in a 10-rounder against Tommy Langford last year. So David Lemieux should probably get the job done here, probably pick up another knockout. But that's really it for Canada. We're now going to come back over here. We're going to go over to Bolton now, top of the bill. Jamie Cox, 20-0. and 0. He fights for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Super Middleweight title. He faces Martin Fidel Rios, who has a record of 20 wins, 9 losses, and 3 draws. It's good to see Jamie Cox back in action. He was out of the ring for a long time due to stuff that had happened outside of the ring. As I say, you know, we're not going to really get in getting talks about that but Jamie Cox he got involved in some silly stuff and um, it's good to see him back it's good to see him back to positive ways and he's fighting for some kind of silverware here in his return fight so it's it's really good to see Jamie Cox back in there again it's going to be interesting to see he's been out of the ring for a while now I think maybe coming up to a year so Jamie Cox he was getting people out there in the first round um as 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 we last saw so i'm not sure what we're going to see but it's going to be interesting because he is a really really exciting fighter jamie cox and i cannot wait to see what happens there with him so um all the best to jamie cox on that one also on that bill paul butler 21 and one he takes on alexis ruiz who has a record of 11 wins three losses and one draw should be an easy night's work here for paul butler also on the bill zelfa flash barrett he looks to move to 13 and oh he takes on Elvis Gwillen who is a journeyman so he really should get the job done but that's really it for Bolton we're now gonna oh we're really flying through this we're now gonna go over to Birmingham which is the final card that we're gonna preview on this part of the show um Sam Eggington against Frankie Gavin top of the bill both boys from Birmingham as I mentioned Sam Eggington 18 and 3 and Frankie Gavin, 23-2. and two. And this is for the vacant WBC International Welterweight title. It's also for bragging rights in Birmingham, of course. And um, it's going to be a good fight. I think that Sam Eggington always comes to fight. He's young, he's youthful, and he is massive at the weight. He really is. He's, he's, he's quite a giant. Frankie Gavin, not really suited to welterweight. A lot of people say he should be back down at 140. I've got to say, I think I agree with that. So that's the only factor that kind of swings in favour of Sam Eggington. So um, it should be quite interesting, this one. But I think Frankie Gavin, where he's, he's got that pedigree, I'm kind of copying what Brian Rose just said. But yeah, he's he's got that pedigree. He's been at a higher level. And um, I really think that he's probably going to get the job done here. So all the best to both men. Again, I'm a fan of both fighters and made the best man win on this one. Also on this bill, Anthony Agogo, 11-0. He fights for the vacant WBC international middleweight title against Craig Cunningham, who has a record of 16 wins and just a one loss. Craig Cunningham been saying this week that he's going to knock Agogo out. So I'm really interested in that fight. But I think that Anthony Agogo, you know, he's he's got that pedigree again. And I think he's probably going to get the job done here and also on that bill we just spoke to him not long ago brian rose 28 and 4 with the one draw he's in a six rounder against stillian kostov who has a record of 20 wins and six losses brian rose basically spoke 
you know, about his opponents, and I'm sure that he can get the job done here. So all the best of luck to Brian Rose, a real nice guy. And also on this build, a final fight to mention of the preview part of the show. Cal Yafai is set to be on this bill. Remember, we've we've heard a lot from Eddie Hearn saying that he could be perhaps fighting for a world title by the end of the year. I think that maybe November was mentioned, but it looks like that won't be happening now if Cal Yafai is correctly on this bill, like it says so on box rec so he looks to pick up his 20th career win and it's scheduled to be an eight rounder at super flyweight but his opponent's yet to be announced but all the best to Cal Yafai another man that's been on this show another man I'm a huge huge fan of but that's really it for the previewing and that is all the talking done for last week and for this week so of course before we end this show there's one last thing to do and that is to welcome our second guest Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBO European super middleweight champion fighting this Saturday in Bolton. It's, of course, Mr. Jamie Cox. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. Now, firstly, Jamie, just for those that may not know, you've been out the ring almost a year now. Now, the reason behind that is because you had some issues outside the ring. I understand if you don't want to go into great detail, but just in a nutshell, could you bring our listeners up to speed on why you've been absent from the sport for a little while? Yeah, I just had um, a court cool thing going on, a uh, court cool case, and uh, yeah, it's all um, it's all been sorted out now. So uh, yeah, back to boxing, and uh, yeah, concentrate on uh, concentrate on the boxing, and uh, and uh, obviously the future in the sport. Yeah, and I'm pleased that all of that is behind you. So, Jamie, how excited are you to get back on track in your boxing career? Because obviously you left off um, for a little while, as I say, on on um, on some great momentum. How excited are you to yeah. get back in there on Saturday? I was excited. I was excited from the last fight I had. I've been training ever since, apart from uh, a little period. But um, yeah, I've been training all the way through, and I've been work, working with world class fighters. So I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for a world champion tomorrow. Yeah, and I believe it when you said that. I truly do. When you say you've been, um, you've been, you've been working alongside world world class fighters. Who have you been? Um, you know, who have you been in there with? Who have you been in the gym with, Jamie, in in this time? Uh, lately, I've been in the last since last time we've been left off world class. Vince Degal, Nathan Cleverly, uh, a lot of British British rated fighters, uh, European fighters, and uh, I'm ready now. I'm ready for anyone. Okie dokie. Now, it's certainly, you, you are certainly one that I'm especially very excited for. I just did say that earlier on in the show. You're coming off of three first-round knockouts. You're taking on an yeah. opponent on Saturday. It's not a bad fighter, to be honest. Do you know much about him at all, yeah. Jamie? Uh, yeah, I watched a couple of his fights, and uh, that's enough for me. I leave it all with John. John Costello, that's my trainer. And um, I let him figure out what we need to do, and I just listen to what he says. I'm his go-for, and I do whatever he says. And... Uh, you know, with the condition of Des Whitter that I have there, and uh, Malcolm Malvin and and uh, Dean, Dean Edwards in the gym. Listen, I'm ready. I'm ready. I've got I've got world class team. Frank Warren, Frank Warren, my promoter, Jason McCrory, my, my matchmaker. All I've got to do is turn up, give 110 percent. They got the smarts and the skills. Do what they say. That's it. Take them all out. And. As as you say, you know you're you're really excited to sort of resume things, get back to uh, get back to the yeah. boxing. How how frustrating has it been on the sidelines, Jamie? Because a lot's gone on in the super middleweight division. You know, there's, yeah. we've got some great fighters now, and, and there's been some opportunities come up, and you've you've not really been able to get them thus far. How how frustrating has it been watching everybody else go on with with the success they've had in their career at the same weight? Good luck to them. Good luck to them. And uh, you know, I'm on 
I'm on the case, and all that matters for me is the world champions know. They know what will happen. They know what happened. I've sparred enough of them, and they know what happens in the ring. <clears throat> and all that matters is they know, and they know I'm on their tail. So that's the main thing. I'm coming close. When my opportunity comes, they know I'm going to take it. Not 16-ounce gloves, 10-ounce gloves. It'll finish KO. And you're scheduled to fight the following month as well, which which is it looks like November the 26th. Is that for definite you'll be on that bill as well? Uh, I'm not too sure. I'm just concentrating on this one right now. Uh, I know I've heard that I've been pe- uh, penciled in for that, but um, obviously this is this is the you know this is this is what I'm concentrating on on Saturday, and um, then from Saturday we we'll take it from there. And Jamie, have you got any idea of the route yet? Yeah, I know that, as you say, you know you, you were the WBO European champion. It looked like you might have been going down yeah. that WBO route. Have you got any idea which champion you'll be chasing? Because it sounds like you, you know you don't want to waste any time on getting there. Mostly that to Frank Warren because it doesn't matter to me. They're just they're just a body. They're just they're just a somebody. You know what I mean? It's, at the end of the day, I just got to do what I have to do. Get in there, do what I need to do. Dismantle them, and that's it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Six foot two, long arm, strong, five foot eleven, silky boxer. It doesn't matter. I just know what I need to do. Get them out. And is there anybody that you've got your eye on? I know that um, you're not really one to call people out, but is there anyone you've got your eye on domestically at all? Any of them. Domestic, you want to talk domestic. George Groves, James DeGal, uh Who else is it? Callum Smith. I know he's fighting for a man. He's mandatory for the WBC. So, that, you know, but come on. I'm Frank Warren's best super middleweight. He's Eddie Hearn's best super middleweight. Let's get it on. It's an all on the line. Let's go. I'm ready for all of them. Doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother me who I get. Which one out of the three of those guys you mentioned? All of them. (laughs) And when would you be ready for for, for, for one of those? I'm ready Saturday. (laughs) Obviously, it can happen Saturday. And, um, you know, obviously, that's all down to Frank Warren Promotions, business side of things. They need to make that happen. But if we're talking the physicality and the... And the uh, the boxing side of things, I'm ready Saturday. And um, finally, Jamie, finally, um, have you got any have you got any kind of prediction for, for the fight on Saturday? As I say, you know, you're coming off three first round knockouts. Yeah. It's been a little while since you got in there. Yeah. I'm sure you're ready to go. Um, yeah, have you got any kind of prediction at all for your fight? All I'm predicting in this fight is that I'm going to go in there 110 percent, and I would have hurt this boy. And um, yeah, you know, we have the skill set and. Uh, doesn't matter if it's first or the 12th round, they will get the job done on Saturday. Absolutely. Okay, Jamie, just before I let you go, I just wanted to give you an opportunity. If there's anyone you want to thank at all, any, anyone you may want to thank, maybe sponsors, anyone in particular that uh, you just want to give a thank to? Yeah, I'd like to thank my team, obviously, uh, my family and, um, and, and uh, my sponsors, Text Global, Nice and Clean, Abbey Move, <clears throat> TDR Civils, KO Plastering, um, you know, Team Dead's Fitness and uh, and just my family and obviously my granddad isn't too well at the minute and uh, I win that world title before 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 I want him to see I want to win the world title before before he goes. So uh, oh. that's my I'm in a rush. Okay, I'm sorry to hear about that, Jamie. By the way, no I hope that. Uh, I hope that all goes well. Listen, Jamie, I really appreciate you giving us a bit of time so close to your fight, my friend. I wish you all the best for Saturday night and we'll speak again soon, no doubt. Joey, anytime, mate. Anytime. Cheers. Thank you.
Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 55 of the Box Hard Podcast. Please remember, if you do get time to leave us a review on iTunes, we'll be really, really grateful for that. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I'd like to thank our two guests on this week's show, Brian Rose and Jamie Cox. It's been a pleasure making this freebie for the loyal listeners and the out-and-out boxing fans that tune into our show. I thank you all once again for giving this podcast a listen. The numbers from the last bunch of shows have been outstanding. They really, really have. We'll be back next week with another big show. As always, enjoy your weekends and we'll see you next week.